Yes. And I'm sure you agree with me. Life has got too many choices that are too serious. Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to live? What am I going to do for a career? These are serious choices that if we get them wrong, if we get these choices wrong, if we have misheard God, if we step out on something that's not the, the truth, we could end up in a mess. Would you agree? And we, can we have a little bit less chatter at the front row? Yeah, thank you. It's distracting when the pastors go off on their own tangent, isn't it? We, we want to make sure, we want to make sure that when we get to the end of our life, we have followed his plan for us. We have heard everything that he said and we followed it accurately because we've heard accurately. We don't want to have, well, I think God said, so I'm going to boldly step out on what I think he said. Oh, there was this sign, three red buses passed me and I think God spoke to me. Man, that's, that is too, that's too vague. Yeah. We don't want to step out on a coincidence or even a leading from the enemy because the enemy does like to lead through supernatural things. We want to hear God and know that we've heard from him so we can be confident as we step out, knowing that what we step out on, even though we can't see the answer as we do it, sometimes the craziest stuff is out there, but we have something on the inside saying, yes, this is right. And you know your God will be there. Yeah. So I want to share a story with you from my life of me thinking I'd heard from God me stepping out confidently, and me falling flat on my face. And I'm going to use this as a teaching point. This isn't me trying to get to know Daryl Day. It's not that. It's just so you can learn some things that I learned from this example. So we're going to go back to the late 1900s. Yeah? I'm in my early 20s. I'm as tall as I am right now. I'm a lot thinner, and I'm very insecure. So a wonderful combination right there. And what I have at that time is I have a serious, everyone says serious, a serious crush on Bronwyn Morris. Yeah, Bronwyn Morris. You could even say it was love. Now, the thing is, Bronwyn Morris, when she thought of me, I was just a good friend. And I understand the, the dynamics of a friendship between a boy and a girl. Marriage is not on the cards. Would you agree? But this is where the problem was. As much as Bronwyn thought I was a great friend, I saw her as much more than a friend. I wanted to marry her one day. But the thing is, Bronwyn just wouldn't see me as anything more than a friend. So, so I'm going, God, you know, as I'm a good Christian man. I'm thinking God's got a plan for my life. I need to find out from God. Is Bronwyn, what part does Bronwyn play in this plan? Am I going to marry her? Now, I'm sure you'll agree with me. There isn't a verse in the Bible that says, Daryl Thompson will marry. Da, da, da. There, there's no, I have looked. There's nothing. And I will say this, that as a go-to when it comes to following him, we should go to Scripture first. Scripture will reveal some things to us. But there are times where the Bible is, is silent on topics like who you're going to marry. Yeah, would you agree? What career should you be doing? Which country should you be living in? Who are the people you should have in your world? So I needed a download from heaven. Have you heard that statement before? I needed God to speak into the situation. So one day in a moment of prayer, I popped the question. God, am I going to marry Bronwyn Morris? Now, the problem is that up until this point, remember, I'm in my early, early 20s. I hadn't really learned how to hear from God much. Most of my godly direction I'd received from my parents. And, and I love my parents, and they've done a great job with me. But can I encourage parents in this room? Don't let your kids wait until they're in their early 20s to figure out how to hear from God. God has a plan for their life when they're six. 
They need to know how to hear from Him and outwork that plan. When they're six, there are people in their world that they need to be connecting with and reaching when they're very young. When they're in their 20s, they should be masters at this topic. So there I was. God, am I going to marry Bronwyn Morris? And there was silence. Because, I, look, I didn't know much about hearing from God, but at least I knew this. You've got to be quiet. You've got to be still because God could speak and you can miss him. So there I am. I'm sitting still. I'm being quiet. I'm being aware of my environment. Anything, God. Say something. Do something. And so three minutes passed. Then four minutes. And my mind began to wonder. Aren't our minds like that? They'd get a bit tired of focusing. They began to, began to wonder. And I'm thinking to myself, what would it be like if Bronwyn had to return the affection that I I'm giving her, what would it be like if she one day told me that she too loves me? And then, of course, the next step would be to work out a proposal and we would get married one day and my thoughts are going down this road. And next thing I realize that these emotions are welling up inside of me. And the more I focus on these thoughts and the more I focus on these emotions, the next thing the emotions are starting to overwhelm me. And then there I am standing in this moment of prayer, overwhelmed, almost in a like a, a psychedelic uh, moments of just, oh, oh, and there I made a decision. I had heard from God. I am going to marry Bronwyn Morris. Yeah? Now, some of you are looking at me with those laughs and going, uh. Others of you are going, wow, you really did hear from God. That's amazing. That's why we need to talk about this topic, because what does it mean to hear from God? So, so continuing the story, I now started to pursue Bronwyn with a with a, wow, just a, a purpose. I had some supernatural insight into how all of this pans out. And so I would take her to the movies. I'd take her to restaurants and church events, most of it at my cost. And it felt like we were dating because it was just the two of us. And we would be sitting at church and she would lean up against me. And guys, I'm sure you agree with me. The true telltale sign that a girl likes you more than a friend is when you say something cute or funny, she punches you in the arm. Yeah? Now, ladies, is that true? When you punch a guy in the arm, that means, hey, I like you more than a friend. Well, that's what I thought. Now, because I thought this, I'd say to Bronwyn, hey, Bronwyn, just, I, did, I think I did this three times over a period of three years. Three years. I was convinced. I would say, Bronwyn, hey, are we, are we more than friends? And her, her, her reply was, no, we're good friends. We're just good friends. And then one time her reply was, we're good friends, and I'm not ready for a boyfriend. And then three weeks later, she had a boyfriend. But now remember, I've got, I've got a bigger picture in mind. I know God's spoken to me. I know how this whole thing pans out. So I'm going to be patient. I've got to deal with the rejection and the pain. But I've, I've got to be patient. And so four or five months later, she's single again. Here we go. Yeah, she's going to, any minute now, she's going to realize that I am the man that she wants in her life. And so after two years later, and another boyfriend, it's funny now, but in the moment it was not funny. Uh, eventually I said, God, I can't do this. It's too painful to wait for Bronwyn to realize that I'm the man she should marry. And so I never spoke to her again. Like I said, it's funny now, um, but I, I walked away from that situation going, what happened? I thought, I'd heard from God. Didn't, no, I, 
I'm sure I heard from God. I mean, there was such a powerful moment. The euphoria, the, the, the joy. Surely God had spoken to me what happened. And some of you might be going, well, Daryl, you've got to think about this. You're dealing with free will. Someone has a choice. And I go, I get that. But I remember that moment so clearly. I was convinced I'd heard from God. And that's why I'd like to help you. And this is what helped me because over the years I had to learn some stuff. I want to help us with how do we hear from God accurately? Is this about in a, a powerful euphoric moment where God goes and you feel like you're on cloud nine or is there more to this? So we're going to look at a passage of scripture by a guy named Mark. We'll see on the next slide. Thank you. Mark 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head, which would have been an issue. You can imagine Peter on the phone with the insurance company. This is apparently Peter's house. And then, then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, Wait, what? Wait, what? That's what my kids say. Wait, what? We've never seen anything like this before. Now, this is a great passage of Scripture where we see Jesus' authority over sin and death, but also his power over sickness and disease, yeah? And some of you might be asking, Daryl, what does this have to do with being led with by the Holy Spirit? We need to go back to verse 5 on this next slide. We see Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven, but some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thoughts to themselves. Can I ask you some questions? When someone is thinking to themselves, can you hear what they're thinking? When someone's thinking to themselves, is there any noise? No. Okay, so we've established that? Cool. Now, what were they thinking? Next slide. What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. This is what they're thinking. Now, it's interesting that Mark wrote this because how did he know what they were thinking? We're going to look into this in a moment. Then we have... We have, a, we have established this. When someone's thinking to themselves, you can't. You don't know what they're thinking. They're not saying anything. We'll talk more about this. Next slide. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. Wait, what? Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. Now we have to stop and ask some questions. Jesus, how did you know what they were thinking? Now, now this could be. This could be one interpretation. Jesus is really good at reading body language because, Daryl, you've got to understand these religious leaders are following Jesus with their notebooks and their little dictaphones, and they're trying to catch Jesus saying something blasphemous so they can find fault with him. Is that right? Is, is that what you know to be the religious, religious leaders of the time? Jesus is a threat. So when Jesus says something like, your sins are forgiven, he looks at the religious leaders and he goes, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, that could be one example. That could be one answer. But I want to show you that this is more than Jesus 
being perceptive to what other people might be thinking or believing. This is more than Jesus putting two and two together. This is a supernatural moment. And this is going to help us when it comes to hearing from God. So we've been looking at the New Living Translation Bible, the NLT. And this is what's called a Bible paraphrase. And I do quickly need to explain to you what different Bible translations look like. A Bible paraphrase takes the original language that this was written in, which is Greek, which is what we've got in our New Testament from, the Greek language, and takes the, not one word, and then finds an equivalent English word and translates that into that word. It takes the whole concept and translates it into our language so we can understand it. And the great thing about Bible paraphrases is are that they're easy to read. It's easy to understand. But then if you want something more accurate, something that's more in line with the original language, you get what's called a literal Bible translation or word-for-word -word Bible translation. And what happens there is that the translators of that Bible will take the Greek words and go, okay, that Greek word means this in English and put it here. And this word means this. Do you get what I'm saying? And that is very accurate, although it makes for tough reading sometimes. Like, for example, the King James Bible, or the New King James at least. And you go, what? What is he saying? So it's, it makes it harder to read. It's more accurate. The paraphrase is a bit easier to read, although it can miss some things. And I want to show us something that the, the New Living Translation has missed. Let's look at this same verse in the New American Standard Bible, which is a literal Bible translation. Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit, everyone say spirit, which comes from the Greek word pneuma, which the New Living Translation Bible doesn't include. It just says aware, knowing immediately what they were thinking. But it's important to understand where Jesus knew what they were thinking. Where did he know? In his spirit. Then we've got to ask some questions. Do you like how I do that when I, when I speak? I talk about, let's ask a question. Let's find out what this is. It's like a mystery. Yeah. The question we need to ask is, does Jesus have a spirit? And someone might say, yes, of course he does, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we need to explore that for a moment. We need to explore that. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at what John wrote. John 1, let's go to the next slide, please. In the beginning, the Word already existed. Everyone say that the Word. The Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, He existed in the beginning with God. Next slide, please. And so the Word became human and made His home among us. Who are we talking about when we say the Word? Jesus. He became human. Okay. So John's speaking about Jesus, giving some insight into who Jesus is before he comes to earth. Isn't that interesting? I often wonder, what would it have been like for Jesus, the Word, to be in heaven those last moments? Father, I'm going to earth to outwork your purposes. I wonder what those moments would have been like. I know God has a bigger perspective, but still, like the Garden of Gethsemane kind of moment. I don't know. Would it have been like that? Here's Jesus coming to earth. Now, John says that the Word became human. Is this, I wonder, I wonder if what John is saying, is this kind of like, the Word, who is God, who we know God is a spirit, yeah? Comes to earth and becomes human. Is this now the Word who is a spirit stops being a spirit and now becomes a human being? Kind of like Cinderella's coach. It was a pumpkin, stopped being a pumpkin and became a coach. Is that what John's saying here? Or is there more to this? So let's look at another Bible translation and let me help you with this Bible translation as well. The Amplified Bible. This is where the translators of that Bible have gone, okay, we want to help our readers understand a bit more about the Greek language. One Greek word can mean far more than one, Greek, uh, one English word. So one Greek word 
We'll elaborate a bit more on it. We'll put some stuff in brackets. We'll also take other aspects of the Bible that speak about the same topic and throw it in there as well, which means that when you read the Amplified Bible, if you get through that book, that's some reading. Well done. You are a Christian of, of notes, yeah? So let's look at verse 14 in the Amplified Bible. Here we go. The Word, and around brackets, Christ, because that's who we're talking about, became flesh, human, incarnate, and tabernacled, and in brackets, fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us. I want to focus on this word incarnate. It means to be embodied in human form. Incarnate means to be embodied in human form, which means the Word, and we'll see this on the next slide. The Word, who is a spirit, we agree, yeah? God is a spirit moved from heaven into a body so that he could live as one of us. Which means, instead of asking the question, like we were asking earlier, is, did Jesus have a spirit? We're not asking that question. We're recognizing, no, hold on, Jesus is a spirit who lives in a body. There's the man, Jesus Christ, walking around, Galilee, Samaria, Judea, etc. You see the man, you see the body, but who's in the body? God. God the Word. Pretty powerful, hey? Okay, let's look at another verse. This is, uh, this is James. Before we go there, let me just elaborate. Uh, James is one of Jesus' brothers. Would you agree that James would have had some insight into who Jesus is? Watching him growing up with him would have had some insight into what God's purpose for him being on earth would be, yeah? What is God's purpose for us is. And so James writes some stuff, which means I think we... Like with any other area of the Bible, we should lean in. We should go, God, what are you saying? Because this person knows some things that I don't know. So James writes in James 2.26. Here we go on this next slide. For just as a human body, everyone say body. We're talking about bodies again. For just as a human body without the spirit is a dead corpse. So faith without the expression of good works is dead. James is comparing our body, the, the makeup, makeup of our body with faith and works. Faith and works. Faith without works is dead, but so is the body without the... Now, now your bodies, if you look at uh, what's under a microscope, if you study biology, etc., yes, our body needs a brain to, to tick over. It needs a heart. It needs all these organs to tick over. But James is saying, ultimately, what keeps your body going is the spirit. When the spirit leaves the body, what does the body do? It stops. In other words, it dies, absolutely. So that means that you and I are not just bodies. We are spirits who inhabit a body. This body is perishing. It's, it's, it's on death row. It's going to eventually stop altogether and die. But we're told in the Bible that the spirit is being renewed day by day. The spirit is in the likeness of God, holy and righteous. We've been recreated by the Holy Spirit. That's something that Jess wrote in 2 Corinthians 5. Sorry, not wrote, read. You read it, didn't you? That's just, yeah. Just read that we have been recreated. The, the oldest past, the new has come. This is talking about our spirit. We are spirits who inhabit a body just like Jesus. So, so far, Jesus is the word inhabiting a body. We get that? And we are spirits inhabiting a body. A lot of similarities, which is why as we look at Jesus' life, we start to see ways we should be functioning. Outcomes we should be seeing. Does that make sense? Okay, now let's look at another passage of Scripture. Uh, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about sin. They're really struggling with some issues. Some people in the congregation are doing some weird and wacky stuff. And so he's having to remind them, guys, this is who you are. Do you remember who you are as spirits living in a body? 
Do you remember who you are? 1 Corinthians 6. Here we go. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? So Jesus is a spirit in a body. We are a spirit in a body. Who else is in this body with us? Let me ask it again. Who else is in this body with us? The Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Paul says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Say it with me, who lives in me. Let me, let me get Julian up here. Let's give him a hand as he comes up. Julian, Julian. Oh, no, what's it? You can take the mask off. No, you don't need the mic. I'm stripping Julian of all that he needs to be. Amazing. I'm going to get Julian to stand over here. I want to, I want to uh, uh, illustrate this for you so that you understand this. Julian's a good-looking man. <laughs> don't, don't, don't compare yourself, Julian. Don't compare. Compare it. It's unfair, dude. Don't. So let's pretend. Let's pretend because we've learned some things. Who did we say that we are? We are spirits who inhabit a body. Is that right? We've seen that. It wasn't just my saying with stuff we've seen on the, in, in, on the, in the Bible. Let's pretend that Julian is his spirit. The Bible doesn't talk much about what our spirits look like, but I don't think when we get to heaven, I'm going to walk up to Edwina and go, sorry, who are you? I'm Pastor Edwina. No way. I didn't know that you looked like that. No, I think our spirits, I think we look pretty much the same. Just really good looking, really young, no, no problems. Yeah? Yeah? So let's pretend Julian is his spirit. Where is Julian's spirit right now? If he's a Christian, well, if he's a human being, where is his spirit right now? In his body. So we are inside Julian's body. Yeah? His spirit is inside of his body. If Julian is a man who calls himself a believer in Jesus Christ, but not just a believer, a person who has made the commitment that Jesus Christ is not just a nice man who walked the earth and died on a cross, and we don't know what that was about, but that he is God in the flesh, that he lived on this earth for purpose and that ultimately went to the cross to take the sins of the world. And if we will believe in him as our Lord and Savior, the forgiveness of God will be ours and our sins will be washed away, the sins that separate us from a holy God, and we will be made right with God and the Holy Spirit comes to live in our bodies with us. If that's who Julian is, which is correct, Correct. Right. Come on. Boldness. I'm putting him on the spot, aren't I? If Julian is in his body as a spirit and he is a new creation in Christ, the old is gone. Ephesians 4.24 says that he is like God, holy and righteous. Look it up, guys. Ephesians 4.24. He's like God, holy and righteous. Big deal, man. Don't ever call yourself anything but righteous, holy. Don't let the enemy condemn you. You are like God. Not that you are God, but just like my kids are like me. They're not me, but they're a chip off the old block. Yeah? Julian, as the spirit, who else does he have in his body with him? Now, let's for the moment pretend that I'm the Holy Spirit. For those of you who might be confused, I'm not the Holy Spirit. But let's pretend that I am. Where am I in? If this is Julian's body, where am I? Okay, everywhere. Very good. Yes, everywhere. What did we see? Riley, <laughs> Riley's going to be one of those students that I used to teach that puts a spoke in the works, yeah? But you're right. Everywhere. What did we see here, though? What did we see here? Where is the Holy Spirit? 
Okay, so we're in Julian's body. Where am I as the Holy Spirit? I'm right here. Now we have to do social distancing, but the Holy Spirit doesn't have to practice social distancing. He doesn't have COVID and your spirit doesn't have COVID either. So we're good. But let's pretend that the Holy Spirit is as close to Julian as anybody could possibly ever be. Would you agree? No one's closer. Not even Emily. Holy Spirit is closer to Julian than anybody. How would the Holy Spirit tell Julian something? Would the Holy Spirit go, Julian, God thinks you're awesome. Trying to speak to his brain. Would the Holy Spirit do that? How would the Holy Spirit speak to Julian? Right here. I want to tell you a few reasons why. There's no one closer. This is the closest that Julian will ever get to God. Yeah? And get this, because like I've said, Ephesians 4.24, that Julian is like God, holy and righteous. As the Holy Spirit, I'm going to speak to the part of Julian that's like me. We're going to connect like no other part of Julian will. Do you get that? So what am I going to do? Hey, Julian. Do you get that? And get get this, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak in lines and sentences. It's not like you're sitting there waiting, Holy Spirit, say that again, I didn't get that last bit. It's not like that. It's more like the Holy Spirit drops something in you. Boom. I imagine, I can imagine if there were some extreme cases as the church where we're persecuted and let's say we had to jump in a plane and fly this thing to escape, the Holy Spirit could just drop in our spirit. Boom. I know how to fly a plane now. You just drop stuff in your spirit. You, You suddenly know something. You suddenly, you're suddenly aware of something you weren't aware of before. Thank you, Julian. Can we give Julian a hand? Thank you. I, w- I wanted to do that because I wanted this to stick in your mind, this idea of there's no one closer to me. Who am I? I'm, a, I'm not a body. I'm not emotions. I am a spirit. You are a spirit. Who is in this body with you? The Holy Spirit, who is a spirit and his God. But you're not just any spirit. You are recreated in Christ. You are like him, holy and righteous. I know we like to call ourselves sinners because we do sinful things, but I don't think it's a good thing to call yourself a sinner. It's like like what I heard recently. A horse bolted with the rider on it. And the horse goes running for miles and eventually comes back and the rider can't get off because if, if you fall off the horse, you might get hurt. So he just stays on and holds on for dear life. And one day he's thinking to himself, You know, the horse isn't a bad horse. It just had a bad moment. The horse isn't a bad horse. Would you agree? It just had a bad moment. We have bad moments. We aren't bad people. We sin. We aren't sinners. We are righteous, holy in Christ. Don't let the devil convince you otherwise because that's condemnation. And you start walking after what you believe, which is, I'm a sinner. I'm going to say, you're just going to find yourself doing the same problem again and again. You are righteous. You are holy. You are like God and that you have been recreated in Christ by the Holy Spirit. That's what you keep your mind on. So going back to this, the Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit. What I would love for us is, when we're listening to Bible teachings, when we're listening to preachers, Judah Smith, T.D. Jakes, whoever we listen to, these are, these are a couple of names. We, we know some good preachers out there. Don't let things that people say just make sense. We can't just follow what makes sense. We have to follow what Scripture says. So as much as me having Julian up, Julian up here and us talking back and forth, as much as that makes sense, don't believe it just because it makes sense. We need to see this in Scripture too. So let's look at Scripture. You ready? The next slide. Paul says, 
the Spirit Himself, talking about the Holy Spirit, testifies with our, testifies with our, the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit regarding what? We are children of God. If you're struggling with this idea of who am I? Look, I've made mistakes. I feel guilty. I feel shameful. I've done some things I don't deserve to be a Christian. God should not forgive me. When you're thinking stuff like that, stop, look inside where the Holy Spirit is testifying with your, that you are a child of God. And believe me, he's not going to stop there. Like, okay, you're a child of God. Silence for the rest of your life. He's going to testify with your spirit regarding other important things that God wants to speak to you about. Who you're supposed to marry, Jess? Pressure. But do you get what I'm saying? Important things, but also the everyday decisions. Someone might, someone asked me once, Daryl, how often should you let the Holy Spirit direct you? How often should you seek his direction? Because I don't think it's necessary to go to him regarding everything. Surely you can make up some, you can make, up, make some decisions based on common sense. God's given you a brain. I go, yes, you can. But let me ask you this. How intimate do you want to be with God? How close do you want to be with him? How close do I want to be with my wife? I want to involve her in everything that I do because that produces intimacy. If I exclude her, any exclusion results in disconnect. Yeah? How intimate do we want to be with the Holy Spirit? Everything. Every moment, every decision. Lord, I'm looking to you. And this sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus would say, I do not do anything unless my Father tells me to do it. I do not say anything unless my Father tells me to say it. That's intimacy, and that's what I aim for. That I, this is what I believe we should be aiming for. Consult with them regarding everything. Um, smallest decisions. Lord, what, what do you want me to do? And then we look to our spirit. We're looking for a knowing. So before I continue, I need to ask the question, what happened with me and Bronwyn Morris? What was that about, Lord? Now, I know what that was, that was about. I didn't hear from God. That was an emotional moment. And so I want to give you four things. Everyone say four things. That will help us to become really good at hearing from God and hearing accurately. You ready for it? Taking notes, whatever you're doing. The first one, this next slide, is get confidence. This will help you. A lot of us, well, no, 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 I'm not saying that. Not, 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 not a lot of us, but there are people that really struggle with, would God want to speak to me? Does God speak to me? Would God speak to anyone other than the pastors of our church? Because I know, I know their job is important and they need to hear from God, but would God speak to, to little old me, little, little old sinner that I am? I want, us, I want us to recognize that the first, because this is a faith thing, we need to believe, we need to be confident that God wants to speak to us. And so we see in James 1, James speaking again, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Let me ask this question. Why would God want you to have wisdom? Remember, I said this earlier. He's got a plan for your life. It's a good plan. Does he want that plan to come to pass? Why? How about this? When God's plan for your life comes to pass, because it's a good plan, it's perfect, it's just right, it's the most amazing fit for you. When it comes to pass, who gets glorified? 
he gets glorified. What happens when he gets glorified? The goodness of God is seen in your life. What does Paul say? The goodness of God leads others to repentance. Your life should be a trophy of Christ's victory. That's scripture again. Yeah? That when people look at you, they go, your God is good. I want your God. His plan for your life is coming to pass, and it's a good plan. I want this God that you serve. This is why God wants his plan for your life to come to pass. Not just that. He loves you, Darwin. He wants the fact that Jesus became poor that you might become rich. That's his plan. Rich in every sense of the word. You're his child. Yeah? So we need wisdom. Okay, Lord, I've got a crossroads here. Which way do I go? Which one is your plan? Which one is not your plan? And sometimes this is where it gets tricky. It's not just a crossroads between two options. It's between God's option and 50,000 others. And one of them is Satan's plan, if not 50,000 of them. Yeah? Lord, which one is it? And this is why it gets tricky. Which one is it, Lord? And this is why we need to hear accurately. And firstly, James says to us, ask God for wisdom. Lord, I need wisdom on what to do. And what does God do? How does he respond when you ask for wisdom? He gives it to you. And this is a faith thing. You may not feel like you've got wisdom. You may not feel smarter. You may not have the answers immediately. But you go, God, I believe that when I read that, that, Lord, you want me to have wisdom. And that when I ask, you don't go, ah, oh, really? That you go, good. That you go, good. I want you to have my wisdom because I want you to fulfill my purposes for your life. And so he gives it to you. And so you step out on this wisdom. Thank you, Lord. And this, I've done this before, guys. I've done this many times. Thank you, Lord, that your wisdom is in my life. That's impacting my decisions. My, it's helping me to take the right steps. And that regardless of how I feel, I'm doing what you want me to do, saying what you want me to say, speaking to those whom you want me to sp speak to. And then you know what happens after a couple of months is I look back and I go, that happened. I met that person. We did this. This happened. I got that phone call. Here I am. Perfect will of God. And you go, I would not have seen that coming. But the wisdom of God worked in me to produce the will of God. We've got to get confidence about that, hey? Let me help you with some other things we can do. Number two, next slide. We need to get quiet. This is what I did wrong. I went to God with an agenda. I would like to marry Bronwyn Morris. Can you please say yes? I'm glad he didn't. Man, because I married a Yale ready instead. <laughs> Who has proven to me again and again that she's the right woman for my life. Yeah, the right fit. So I went in there with an agenda. I went in there emotionally charged. I was expecting for a certain outcome. I wasn't ready to hear God's will. I wasn't there humbled. I should have gone to him, God, realizing the bigger plan, guys, because if we get this wrong, what a mess. What a mess. Lord, I do not want, do not let me do what I want, Lord, only what you want. Lord, I humble myself before you. I quiet my emotions down. And this might take some time, days, weeks, maybe, where you spend time seeking him, diligently wanting his will. And this is part of what the 21-day fast that we've just come out of would have achieved in our lives. It would have quietened us down. So your body stops screaming at you. That your emotions stop yelling at you. This is what I want. You go, no, I want God's will. Shh. Does that make sense? Which takes, on, takes us up on to, to step number three. Position your spirit. You are a spirit that's in a body, but you aren't just a spirit. You're a body. You have a mind, emotions, all sorts of things that are happening that can, get, that can clog you up. Everyone say, clog me up. You don't want to be clogged up. You want to be, 
You want to have a channel between you and God that is clear, uninterrupted. So you do this by getting into the Bible, getting hold of great biblical resources, things that point you to God and his will for your situation. You're looking at verses that, that talk about the situation you're needing wisdom with. Lord, speak to me in the situation. Holy Spirit, show me. You are praying in tongues more. The Bible talks about praying in tongues as a, as a form of exercise. It builds you up spiritually. Until you get to the place where your spirit is boom, strong. Now you are sensitive. You are super sensitive. How? Spiritually. You're not super sensitive emotionally like I was. You're not super sensitive in terms of your own reasoning and understanding. You're super sensitive spiritually so that going back to Julian and I, when I do this, Julian goes, wow, what is it, Lord? And you know who's just, who just nudged you on the shoulder. And then he says something and you get it. You don't sit there going, well, what, what was that? That was, maybe I had too much pizza last night. You're not wondering. You know. You know. Can you imagine Jesus in that room as he's looking at these people? He knows. He knows who just gave him this revelation because the Holy Spirit led him. The Holy Spirit empowered him. The same Holy Spirit that's in our life is in his life. And he's speaking to his spirit, who he is inside of a body, letting him know something. This is what they're thinking. And so he tells them, why are you thinking X, Y, and Z? And they would have gone, whoa. We would call this a word of knowledge. But we should be seeing this in our life because we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When he speaks, we are responsive. We know, who's just, I know his voice, the voice of a stranger I will not follow. As I read his scripture, when stuff pops out to me, it's not just my desires, my emotions going crazy. I know the voice of my leader, the one who leads me and directs me. Yeah? And then number four, look to your spirit. I know when I've heard people say, how do you hear the voice of God? People talk about visions and prophecies and, and, and signs and, and all these things. And you'll find a lot of these things are external around you. And yes, God will speak to you through a vision. God will speak to you through someone coming up to you and prophesying, saying, I feel the Lord wants to tell you this and it encourages you. But how do you know out of all the things that influence people and circumstances around us that what you're hearing, seeing, perceiving is God? Because guys... I do not want to step out on something that I think might be God. It feels like God. It sounds like God. Jesse came and gave me a prophecy. He included some scripture. It must be God. Look, the Bible's a big book. Which verses do we apply and when do we apply them? We need some help, don't we? And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. As Jesse gives me a word, the same Holy Spirit who's in Jesse speaking through him to me is in me too. And he won't say something different, will he? He'll say the same thing to my spirit as I'm hearing Jesse with my ears. And so I check in my spirit as Jesse's speaking to me and I get a knowing. Yes, that's right. That sits well. Not in my emotions, not in my feelings, my thoughts. It's a, hmm, this is right. This is right. And if you see 10,000 angels in your bedroom singing in 50-part harmony, ah, you need to marry Bronwyn Morris. What am I doing as I see this amazing supernatural occurrence? I'm not going, yes, I can start a new religion. Sorry, Mormons. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What am I doing as I look at this? Even if it's con so convincing. Remember, me in that room with my emotions, it was so powerful. It was so convincing. It must be God. No, that's not what you do. Where am I looking as this stuff comes at me? Because who's speaking to me? And how does he speak to me? He'll confirm what I'm seeing in my spirit. If I get nothing, 
in my spirit. What am I seeing? It's not him. We don't know where that's from, but we're going to put it on the shelf, leave it for later. God, if that's you, show me. But that's, I'm not, no, no, I'm not doing anything with that now. That's not you. And you can go just as much by what God doesn't say as by what he does say. If you get a knowing on what to do or what not to do, it's almost like a thumbs up, thumbs down thing. If he says nothing, then you leave it. I have, on too many occasions, had nothing and gone, great, that means I could do it. Yay. Don't do that. Does this help you? I've been talking about you are a spirit inside of a body, and this doesn't just apply to people in this church. Call this church their church, who we call ourselves Christians because we follow Jesus Christ. This applies to every person. Every person on this earth is a spirit who inhabits a body. Do we agree? And one day these bodies will die. We can't, we can't avoid that. It is a reality we all have coming our way. These bodies will die as much as God does quicken our bodies and does heal us and does sustain us. There is a moment where we will stop. No one has survived this life. And we all have to face the reality that one day the spirit that is in these bodies, that inhabits these bodies, will then move on. We don't just stop. We move on. We are eternal beings who for the moment, it's almost like we, we're in, inside of an earth suit for this moment. While we're living here, it's kind of like an earth suit. But this earth suit will perish, and we will have to move on, and we have one of two places to go. One is to be with God in heaven and part of his plan for eternity. And that is something we will experience if, only if we have Jesus Christ in our life. The other option, which is an option I'm here to warn people about if you don't already know this, the other option is that your spirit moves on from your body and goes to a place of eternal torment which is called hell. It's a horrific place. And we as the church are trying to bring this message across to the world to let the world know, please be aware that this life is not all that there is, that there's far more that we can experience in this life, but that after this life is ultimately where we are wanting you to go to the right place, which is heaven, to be with God. Hell is horrific. So I'm going to ask every person in this room to close their eyes if that's okay. Just to be thinking about this point, I'm not going to be in this body for the rest of my life. I'm going to move on. This, this, these 70, 80 years on this earth is not everything that I will experience. I'm going to move on from here. I recognize that I am a spirit who inhabits a body. That this, I've always wanted to know, is there more to this than just what I'm experiencing? Yes, there is. There's a God who loves you. And there's a, there's, a, there's a God who sent his son to die for your sins. Your sins have separated you from a holy God, a God that requires perfection from your life. But we can't. We can't fulfill that. We can't do perfection. We make mistakes on a regular basis. So God, knowing that, sent Jesus. And Jesus going to the cross, when Jesus went there, God put the sins that we commit on Jesus. And, God, and Jesus was punished for what we deserve to be punished for. And so God says to you today, I'm putting a choice before you, another one of those big choices, possibly the biggest choice you'll ever make. Will you receive Jesus into your life and will you allow me to work in you to produce what Daryl's been talking about, this holiness, this right standing with God, where you are no longer a sinful person who is separated from a holy God, but now you are right with him and a member of his family and destined for eternity with God. 
And I'm not sure if I know everybody in this room, but I do not want to take this moment and throw it away. I want to make sure that we, we present this. Is that right, church? We want to make sure that any, every person in this room knows this decision that they've got to make. Will you choose Jesus or will you ignore him and continue to live with whatever you make your decisions on? Which is risky, my friend. There's only hope in Jesus Christ. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count to three. And if, if what I've said has resonated with you, if you would like me to pray with you, or if, even if you want to come see me afterwards, see one of us as leaders afterwards and say, hey, I recognize that I do need this Jesus that you've been talking about. I do want to spend eternity with hell. Can you answer some questions for me? I, sorry, I do want to spend eternity in heaven. Can you answer some questions for me? Can you help me? Can we pray a prayer? Can you help me to connect with this God and receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior? If that's you, while every eye is closed, I'm going to count to three. I would like you to raise your hand, and your hand being raised up is you letting me know, I want your help with this, Daryl. Can you pray that prayer with me? You ready? One. Two. And if you raise your hand now, you're letting me know, Daryl, I need Jesus. I want him as my Savior. I want to be free from sin and right with God. Here we go. Three. Raise your hand. See that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Any other hands? Any other hands? Just one person, guys, is it's more than enough, but I don't want to just move on from this moment if there's a second. If there's a second person here. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, have a, I'm going to have a conversation with that person. Like I said, I would. But for the rest of the, the, the people in this room, can I encourage you? As I pray, I pray, just lean in. Understand that as I'm praying this prayer, if this resonates with your heart, mean this as well. Lord, we want to be a group of people who follow your every step. That, Lord, when you move, we move with you. That when you speak, that we hear you and we follow. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us. Help us to apply the things we've been looking at. To give you more room to be spirit-minded, to walk in the things of the Spirit. So that we're sensitive when you move, when you speak. And immediately as we've sensed you move or speak, we follow. That Jesus would be glorified in our life. That the name of Jesus would be magnified and that people would know that you are a good God. If you agree with that, say that with me. Amen.